Ernest, what's up? Look, in the world of personal finance management, finding the right tool is crucial. If you've been relying on Mint to keep your personal finances in check, I got a mix of news for you. Mint is closing down. But here's a silver lining. Monarch Money is stepping up as the go-to financial app and users, including myself, are making the switch with a smile. Before Monarch, juggling my finances felt like navigating a stormy sea. Other apps either lacked features or were too cumbersome. Then came Monarch Money. Its ease of use, powerful features, and sleek design turned financial management from a chore into a breeze. The constant updates, well, that's the cherry on top. But what truly set it apart for me was its collaboration feature. Money matters constrain relationships, but Monarch brings peace to the table. The app's collaboration tools allowed my partner and I to seamlessly manage our finances together. We aligned on our budgets, tracked our cash flow, and even planned our future goals all in one place. Speaking of goals, be it saving for a down payment, your dream vacation, or your children's education, Monarch simplifies it all. It's no wonder the Wall Street Journal hailed it as the best budgeting app. This isn't just an app. It's the next generation of personal finance management, ad-free, intuitive, and always evolving with you in mind. Now look, Monarch isn't just another app. It's the all-in-one solution. From effortlessly importing your data from Mint to customizing your dashboard to your heart's content, Monarch respects your privacy with a strict no-ads, no-data-selling policy. This is financial management as it should be, focused on you. Look, after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Mondays. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash Mondays for your extended 30-day free trial. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. All right, guys. Welcome back. Yes. Monday. Yes. Yes. We are in. It's mid-August already. Yeah. Dog days. Time is flying. Crazy. Happy. Today is my nephew's birthday. Happy birthday to my nephew, Miles. What's going on? Hey, happy birthday. Crazy. That's yeah. Happy birthday, my boy. Yes, for sure. So, we are here. A lot to talk about. Um, a lot to talk about. But first, just make some quick announcement. Earn your leisure. Big week for us. We have tonight uh assets over liabilities, two chains. Shout out to True Two Chains. That's gonna be fire. Episode that comes out tonight. Then that episode comes out on YouTube on Wednesday for Revolt. For our Earn Your Leisure show tomorrow, we got the champ Terrence Crawford. We got the episode with the champ. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good one, man. Interview and a game, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was a vibe. Double double interview in a game, a little bit of trash talking. It had a bit of everything, and it had business in it too. Like this, you know, people watch the sport, but they don't understand the business behind it. And so he gave an in-depth look in, inside the business of boxing, which is dope. Undisputed yeah. pound for pound champ. It's only one undisputed pound for pound champ at a time in the sport. He currently holds that position. Mm-hmm. 
undefeated, undisputed, two-time champ. This is an extremely uh, dope episode. We talked about the business of boxing. We talked about his come up. We talked about real estate. Talked about a variety of different things. Uh, so, yeah, check that out, man. That's going to be a, a big one. And then Friday, we got another surprise episode that we're going to drop. Last Friday, we dropped the Yo Gotti episode. Shout out to Yo yeah, Gotti. Make sure, fire. Fire. Yeah. Make sure you check that out. So this Friday, we're going to keep that momentum going. We got an episode. This is the first episode that it's an Earn Your Leisure episode, but we actually got interviewed for the episode. Somebody interviewed us. So fire. pretty interesting yeah. uh, situation. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's very unusual. Only time it's, that's ever happened Rare. in five years. So uh, that comes out Friday at 1 o'clock. So two episodes again. Gave y'all two episodes last week. We're going to give mm -hmm. y'all two episodes this week le leading up to Invest Fest. And, of course, get your tickets to Invest Fest, the biggest. Yes. Production ever. Um, next week, actually. Yeah. Next week. That's crazy, man. Time is flying. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Ski. Next Friday yeah. is the day. The announcements haven't stopped. And we put the schedule up on uh you can check Instagram, Invest Festival, Instagram, Earn Your Legion Instagram. We put the schedule so everybody keep asking, like, what's the time for everything? So the schedule has been out, it's probably been mm -hmm. as well. So now you can put together you can put together your itinerary. Of where you want to be and what you want to see, um, and it's going to be a vibe, man. You know, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I've been, you know, talking to a few people today. Spoke to a few moderators today, kind of, you know, going through their panel. So yeah, everybody's looking forward to. It. Everybody's ready. It's going to be a. It's going to be one of them ones. You yeah. don't got to be humble. Lonzo Ball got added. We're going to talk about his career. Um, <laughs> important to the culture. Like this lineup is incredible. Like I was looking. And I, I was say, uh, saying it before we started. I'm like, how do y'all keep adding all these damn people? <laughs> this lineup is amazing. So, yeah, yeah. Panda Boo 301. Uh, I'll announce my giveaways next Monday and what time to be there. But this lineup is absolutely amazing. I'm sure y'all got something else in the tub. Um, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Excited, man. I'm excited. Every year I'm excited. This year I'm, I'm, I'm more excited for the people who's going to be their first time witnessing this um, mm -hmm. this level of brilliance in one place, uh, level of opportunity that people are going to have. Our community is going to be there. There's going to be HBCU students that are going to be there. It's going to be a lot. I'm excited for everybody to watch this unfold um, because it is something that has never been done before. And uh, I mean, like I said, every time I'm just humble enough to know that this is, and gracious enough to know to be a part of this, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're actually founding it with, with our partners, uh, MG and Mike and obviously SH, but to see the impact that it's going to have and witness it firsthand, it's, it's going to be incredible. I'm excited for everybody. Yeah, me too. And even though I'm on a panel with uh, Kathy and I don't know if we announced the other person yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, and Mike, Mike Nova grats. And Mike Nova, well, there you go. Billionaire Club. Um, I'm still going to prepare somewhat of a presentation to get to give the highest level of value. I can't wait to see what 19 keys is coming up with. I was talking to him via DM this weekend and he was like, yeah, bro, I'm coming with it. I'm like, oh. he'll never say that. I'm like, oh, you got some crazy in store. So um, I'm going to give some of my best investing and trading advice while I am there. And the great part is um, when that Mike was on Market Mondays, when I made that Bitcoin call out of 20,000, he stamped it. So I can't wait to present some of this information to him and have them both stamp it. And we get this partnership going with ARC and, uh, and Mike's firm. So if not me, who? If I made you money, please put yes in chat. I'm not. 
Why not? Why not? Uh oh. Cup is back. Cup is back. <laughs> all right. All right. Ian, any announcements on your end? Yes, I want to thank you. Uh, say thank you to everyone who came out to the Advance and Black Wealth event with JP Morgan. Um, shout out to Nicole for putting it together. Justin, thank you for having me on. Uh, my son got to meet Steph, so we completed that trinity of the kids meeting <laughs> Steph, and he was super excited. Um, but but it's really interesting to see how tapped in he is to both shows, his um, what he's doing at Venture Capital, and like of course his work ethic. Like we were talking before. I was like, man, what was your secret? He's like, I haven't missed a day in nine years. I'm like, and for those of you who don't know, Steph probably has one of the toughest workouts for a guard, but you can see it in like how regimented and how um, determined he is in his career. So that event was amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I want to give uh, go out of my way to give Nicole a lot of praise and a lot of um, thanks for putting me on a platform last year and then having me back uh, again this year. To whom it may concern, I don't do net 90, net 60, net zero. Went out of business. Um, I want to do business like that in 2023. So shout out to my, my good family at JP Morgan is not there, but for the agency that wants to play and get my money late. Not now. Okay. Well, I'll do uh, my little axolot thing. We get a little active position going short on you real quick. I'm trying to be nice and be humble. So, oh, yeah, and finally, um, for those of you who have been asking for the renewal link for Stock Club, um, Troy Rashad can drop the link in the bio, uh, and you guys can renew the prices $4.99 a month. And now I've added 32 new features to it as well. So you can click the link and see everything that you get. So not only do you, do you get the best prices, but we'll be doing a lot more meetups. I have a new trading strategy coming out in October that I'll be giving away as well, and a whole host of things. So um, I haven't sold anything for the last nine months. So if you want to come join and get wealthy in the process, click the link and join and let's get to it. Let's go. Yeah. Hey, wait, we forgot to say happy birthday to hip hop. Absolutely. Happy, happy 50th anniversary to hip hop Friday. It was beautiful. I watched the massive pill event. I shout out to Nas and the whole massive pill brand. Uh, it was incredible to watch the, the dudes that I grew up listening to go on stage with some of the, you know, the, the guys who I idolized, right? Like Nas yeah. that I idolized for a long time. Fat Joe, KRS One. I saw EPMD was up there. Snoop was up That's there. Dope. It was incredible, man. So shout out to, to hip hop and everything looked great here in the city, man. There was no everybody was positive. Everybody came in love, which is dope. Uh, you yeah. love situations like that, and it, it worked so well. I think he said he's gonna bring it back. He said it's not gonna be the last time that they celebrate hip hop, especially inside of the Bronx, inside of Yankee Stadium. So congrats and, and to everybody from the culture, love is love. Yeah, that's fire, man. 50 had a show, too. That looked great. That was incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shout, shout out to Fifth, man. Yeah. yeah, well, I guess I'll do the disclaimer. <coughs> Good folks, do your own research. Our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It's very important to do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find on our show and wish to rely upon whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise continue to do the research, continue to share the research when it's great research and you know where you got it from. Please give credit to that. That's how we spread community. Again, love is love, y'all. Appreciate y'all. I can't believe Investus is like right around the corner. It's here. My God. It's here. <laughs> See y'all there. I don't know why your advisors ain't full warning. For real. 
Let's do it. Oh, um, but before we continue, you gotta say rest in peace to Clarence. Oh, Avon. Yeah, away today, uh, Clarence Avon. I most people know him as the the gentleman from his Netflix special. If you follow his career, the 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 godfather of black music, but bigger than black music, black culture, right? Because we know that music plays such a big role in it. Um, his story is incredible. If you haven't checked out his Netflix documentary, I highly advise you do. Um, it's incredible. So rest in peace to him. I know two years ago we had the untimely and just senseless um, death yeah. of his life. Um, and so rest in peace to him. He played a made major part in everything black culture. So rest in peace to him. And um, Timberland lost. Um, I'm gonna go. So rest in peace to him and his family. And condolences out. Yeah. So, yeah. And I gotta say, uh, rest in peace and give my condolences to Peter. Peter lost his wife Friday. Um, so anyone, uh, Peter Tuckman gave us an amazing episode. But if you are close to us, go send him some love. Um, just battling for a while. I know he's going through. Peter, I love you dearly. I'll be to see you soon. Um, but everyone, go show him some love, please. For sure. All right. So let's get into the show. Uh, who are the top five traders of all time? I was watching an episode with Lethal Shooter, and y'all was talking about the best shooting guards of all time. And that took me down a rabbit hole of like my top five traders. Yeah, um, so, so number one, I have um he's not from PG County, but Paul <laughs> Tudor Jones. <laughs> um, I will put as number one. So in 1987, I think uh Paul had one of the biggest returns of all time. Um, and Paul is still making like on average 30 million dollars a month from trading futures he's the michael jordan futures trader uh number two stanley Druckenmiller. number three john paulson number three steve cohen's and number five even though some people may not classify him as a trader um jim simons from renaissance capital wow so, so he's the man who really got me into algorithmic trading investing um building a system that will work in all markets so if you take the strategies from each of these people and put them into one, you'll pretty much be unstoppable on the trading and investing side. Like Jim and John Paulson probably are better swing traders. Paul Tudor Jones is a better day trader. Um, Simons is a master at the long term. So if you put a hybrid approach, I think that is like an amazing dream team to model your trading and investing career after. Okay. Okay. That's a great list. Thank you. Went from a trading list. I went from investor. Okay. I did top five investors because I'm wondering. I didn't hear the Oracle's name in there, but I'm listening to you. You're talking about traders. Yeah, I'm talking about traders. Yeah. Okay. So at I, in no particular order. Well, actually, particular order. I had Warren Buffett as number one. Hefe. Yeah, this was an interesting statistic. Berkshire Hathaway has generated an average of annual returns of over twenty percent since 1965. For a multi-billion-dollar fund. That don't even. That's insane. Number one. Yeah. Uh, I had Jack Bogle as number two. Yeah. Uh, you're not familiar with who Jack Bogle is. Jack. Uh, founder of the Vanguard Group, which kind of is like the forefront of index fund trading. Yeah. Right. And it, well, not even trading, investing. Listen investing. Yeah. If it wasn't for him, there would be no indexing. There would be no index funds. Yeah. So, like, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take. Ian's strategy of two tech, two index, but also the thing we like to do is uh, you invest in ETFs. Yeah. For that reason, I put Larry Fink on it. Larry's a beast, yo. Well, Larry Fink yeah. is, and we spoke about him last week, uh, the head of BlackRock. Uh, he's a driving force of creating kind of 
the ETF trading, right? So mm -hmm. they have a lot of the world's largest asset management with eight trillion in assets, eight trillion under management, assets. and only getting bigger. Yeah, I mean we don't we don't see that happen slowing down anytime soon. Then at four, I had Peter Lynch. I thought you might have had That's, him. Yeah, I love Peter. Peter Lynch managed the Fidelity Magellan Fund from 1977 to 1990. Here's the, this is the crazy stat. Uh, the fund grew from 1977 to 1990 from 18 million to 14 billion. Mm -hmm. So he, he has some of the best investment advice of all time. Any book or video you can study about him on YouTube, please absorb it and memorize it. Now I had I had George Soros as number five. Okay. So he was he was my number five, one of the greatest investors of all time. He started, I mean, kind of the forefather in currency trading, had one of the most outstanding trades in the history of mm -hmm. mankind uh, with the British uh, pound in, in 1992. But then I had an honorable mention, right? Because I had Warren at one. Okay. But I had to put Charlie Munger at honorable mention six. I agree. And the reason, because it is when we think about trading and we think about investing in today's day and age and kind of things that we've been stressing, is and here's his model right find companies with sustainable competitive advantages yeah okay, check they have a strong management team check mm -hmm. and the price is significantly significantly below the company's intrinsic value right so we yep. want to buy low sell high sell high make sure they have good management and charlie doesn't get enough credit i often say he may be a better investor than buffett in some regards but charlie's like damn like you may not want to bring back in the day like charlie to every meeting because he was almost too brutal um but their partnership has been amazing and the interesting part even with uh george soros joe Miller worked underneath soros when that trade was being executed so that list that you have is perfect for sure i had another honorable mention and it made me think back into your episode when we talked about the frank franklin uh uh temperature fund so i'm like yeah. maybe this could be another one but i stopped at six those are my six. Those those are investors. So I like that you had trading. I went from the investor side. Yeah. Shadi, you got you have three or five that, that you like all time. I mean, I think you know just highlight moments. Everybody, I guess he said the investors. You said the traders. So I'll just go on some highlights that we were able to capture. Um, Mark Cuban, one of the greatest trades of all time when he shorted uh, Yahoo. Uh, yeah. He purchased the company. He made. He, I think he made a billion dollars off of that. Yeah. Um, that was an extremely impressive trade that he did. Uh, Dr. Dan Berry. Um, Boy. Yeah, Dave Berry. <laughs> who uh, shorted. That's, that's what they when I got that text, I was like, wait, what? No, 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 no. With the big short. This oh, 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 oh got you. Okay, yeah. His name is Dan Berry. Michael right? Burry. Michael Burry. Michael, Michael Burry. Burry. Or Michael Burr. I thought he was called Dave uh -huh. Barry, somebody different. Yeah. Michael Burr, um, from the big short. Uh, he's actually a doctor mm -hmm. who it was a few of them, but he stands out yeah. as somebody who saw the uh financial crash that was happened in 2008 before it actually happened. Mm -hmm. They actually had to create instruments for them to short the mortgage industry. Yeah mortgage-backed securities they didn't even have they didn't even have the instruments that they could actually use to short it so they had to fight to actually get and it was a whole process so that was a very complicated situation for them to yeah. accomplish once again they made billions of dollars off of that so that was another extremely impressive uh 
feet for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I think uh, we interviewed a few people that <laughs> some impressive, some impressive. You. I thought you were gonna give them insight to one of the illustrates that we've I've, I've heard in person. We just witnessed with uh, the gentleman you said, Dave Barry. Yeah, that wasn't really a trade. That was more so of an early acquisition of a company that went public. And oh, he did. The, he sold shorts on it. Yeah, and clothes. I mean, but it was more. It was angel investment. Yeah, that's true. That you know reached uh, a level of them making a, a bunch of money, and, yeah. and then it was just. Then they would just had to just sell it. They didn't necessarily trade it. It was more so in a position of just unloading their position once they already. Would had would it be it. in your highlight though? Oh, for sure. Okay, definitely. Yeah, Sure. I got an honorable mention highlight when you're done. If I can, I, can I put an honorable mention highlight in your category? What do you think about Bill Ackman? I thought about him. Yeah, Bill. But his COVID, that COVID move that he did when yeah. he went on CNBC, even though it was wrong, but <laughs> you know, it was six billion in a day. Yeah, you can't you can't argue with the number. That was ridiculous. You can't argue with the number. I watched him break down and nearly almost into tears. Yeah, just to realize that. You know, it was kind of staged to a point where he's gonna he's gonna use it to his advantage. And he definitely did six billion dollars after. So he delivered Alpha. <laughs> he he delivered. He did what he was supposed to do for his clients. It wasn't illegal, but maybe immoral. But in business, a lot of things are right on that line. So yeah, he walked that yeah. line. Yeah, six billion a day, not bad though. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's all right. There's a few. There's a few. Uh you should take us to invest us. Maybe we can ask Robert Smith, which is one of his favorite trades, and Mike Novogratz and Kathy. And what other billionaires gonna be there? And DECA millionaires and well, what centurion millionaires? We can ask Steve Harvey. Low-key Steve Harvey last year gave us the 35 to 1 risk to reward ratio from Vegas. Like those some gems, like the people I think are, are sleeping on that some of the greatest investors and traders end up using for their portfolio and for their wealth building. Well, the wealth count for InvestFest, we have uh, three confirmed billionaires, um, <laughs> Diddy, uh, Robert Smith, and Mike Novogratz. Mm. Um, I would say just underneath them in the, in the high nine-figure range would be Junior Bridgman, mm -hmm. Kathy Wood, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, I would say also in the nine-figure range, if I was to guess, would be Rich Paul, probably. That's um, H. Steve Harvey, Easy for sure. Way. He's in a nine-figure range. Um, That's crazy. <laughs> it's inspiring, man. And then, and then you got Don Peoples the third, who, like, just by default, but he's actually not by default. He's actually running. He's running the enterprise right now. <laughs> That's Don Peoples' son, um, and Don Peoples is a billionaire. Yeah. So, well, we know Chris Paul is nine figures. Chris Paul's definitely in a nine-figure range. We know sure. that. One. Um, CJ McCullough yep. is in a nine. CJ McCullough's actually on his way to becoming a billionaire. Billionaire, he'll be there soon. So he's 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 in there for sure. Um, lot lot of lot of net worth in here. Absolutely. <laughs> Just look at that. There's a lot of lot of net worth. Monique Rodriguez. She's in a, she's in a nine-figure. Shout club. out to Monique. Shout out to you know you know who she is. I'm familiar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Monique Rodriguez. She's the she's a woman that sold her hair product company to L'Oreal, right? 
Uh, to PNG. 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 Okay. Yeah, Procter and Gamble. Uh, so shout out to my L brands. Um, incredible, incredible, incredible. Uh, yeah, Cheryl McKissick is probably she's she's up there. Icon, up there. Yeah, for sure. So if you want to get wealthy, this probably is the best place to go to. Yeah. I mean, it's giving uh, Salt Conference a run for their money. Hey. <laughs> oh, Al, Al Harrington. Harrington. Al Harrington and Baron Davis are definitely up there. They're up there for sure. <sighs> well, it's a lot. It's yeah, a, a lot, man. Get your tickets, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Get your tickets. All right. So let's go to the top three trading strategies of all time. Um, my number one favorite is a triple golden cross. I was talking to somebody about this at the JP Morgan event. So when you have the 200-day moving average pair with the 100-day moving average pair with the 21, if you're looking like on a monthly chart or weekly chart, when the 21 and 50, uh, 100 crosses through the 200 to go long there, or if they bleed underneath the 200, to look for a short. It's probably one of the easiest trading strategies to be able to follow. Um, number two, a, a Fed-weighted short. So when the federal um, government stopped buying assets, not only did NASDAQ waver, but that's when Bitcoin leveled out and started to drop. So when the Fed, which is the true market maker, stops buying assets in a particular class, that is a time too short. Um, and then my, my third, uh, you guys can go back to the Mike Novogratz uh, episode, is to find out what those true hedge fund levels are on a macro picture. So if you can look at a decade chart or seven year chart and see where they're looking to buy, which is usually like anywhere from 65 to 83% off from the all-time high. They're looking to load up there or anywhere around that 95 to 97%, um, almost at that high. They're looking to short. So like a global macro um, swing trade. And, and like those macro swing trades, when I talk to Bonoan, usually last like five or six years. So like the, if you can buy again at Bitcoin at 20,000 or if it ever gets down like 13,000 to hold for a seven-year cycle, and then exit are my three favorite uh, trading strategies of all time. Ian, if I may. Fire. If I may interject, I'd like to substitute one at number three for you. Can I? Fire away. Two tech, two index. No, no stress. stress. I mean, because a lot of our listeners, mm -hmm. right, might not be as technically sound or fundamentally sound when it comes That's to true. So what would be the safest thing for them to do? What would put them in the, the position that would mitigate a lot of risk? Two deck. Two index. It sounds so simple, but most people won't follow it. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the best investment strategies. Personally, Thank for you. somebody who's just coming into the space, who's not really familiar, find two, two tech. Let's see who's the top two in a sector. Let's invest in that. Let's find two indexes. Maybe, I mean, you can pick. Vanguard, we, we've talked about a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. Invest in that. Continuously invest in it. Learn about investing, and then maybe you can learn how to trade from that. But if you're beginning in this, which a lot of people are, mm -hmm. and I, I say a lot of people because we saw the number of people that came into in the investment community since the pandemic. Yeah, I think that's one of the most important strategies. So I know you didn't want to toot your own horn, pause, but. I wanted to give you a lot of credit because I think it's an important strategy and it's one that's simplistic enough for the average person to understand. Even on the macro hedge fund side, like I was talking to Stock Club last Wednesday 
and I did the calculation, if Kathy would have ran that strategy from 2020 through now, it would be $2.9 billion added in value in returns for our clients, just using that simple formulation. And for those who say, well, it's too simple for a hedge fund to run it, um, Berkshire Hathaway, if you look at their portfolio weighting, Apple makes up 84% of those holdings. So if it's good enough for Warren Buffett, who arguably is the greatest long-term investor of all time, I think for everyone else who isn't managing multi-billions, it's an amazing strategy um, that it will work even better for. All right. All right. Um, well, oh, yeah, Maverick Carter. I forgot about him. Shout out to Mav. Shout out to Mav. He's up there. Uh, what's one of the staying in trading, Payne? What's one of the best indicators to use for trading? Um, I had to bait it back and forth on which one, but I'm going to go with volume profile. So volume profile gives you an assessment where think of it like an average that does not move. So you have moving averages that will adjust over time. But the part that sucks about a moving average is over time, you will get different price points. If you go to a wider time frame, like a monthly chart or a weekly chart and look at volume profile, um, It'll give you the baseline price for where a lot of institutions want to buy. And the great part is that it's static. So if you go to a monthly chart, let's say a stock is at 150. The volume profile price may be 32.17. You may feel like it's never going to go there, but you know if shit hits the fan and all hell breaks loose, that is like a low to boat price indicator that you can use to know where to get in. Some people use it on a... 15 minute basis, five minute basis, but I like all my indicators to look to be used over a longer time frame. And if you do that, going back to the decade chart, seven year chart, for those of you who are on the institutional side, it gives you a good estimation of like where you can buy something like at a rock bottom price. Hmm. I, I just knew you were going to say moving averages. So I'm surprised <laughs> because I, I still I still love moving averages. That's me too. I, I love the 20 day. I, love, I know yours is the 72. I want to see 200. I want to see one. And so I want it gives me a better glimpse of, of the movement action. I still use the biology bands. Like I, I'm still using all of those. Um, yeah. I, I, in my mind, if I had to bet, I was going to, I, I would have put on moving averages for you. But that's dope, though. Yeah, and just trying to give something different. Also, too, like one of the things that makes trading easier. Like if I say a house is worth five hundred thousand, but in a fire sale is worth one twenty, it's kind of hard if that price changes every two weeks. Mm -hmm. So like if you know just for like the rock bottom prices, like almost like a wholesale price. That makes it a lot easier for a person who's incredibly busy to know, okay, let me buy at this level and then I'm a hold here for, or even if you want to know where to load the boat, let's say if you have a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars, I would probably put 70% of my capital there off that monthly chart or decade chart. And then I build positions around it, but the bulk of the money will go in there. Mm, yeah. And volume's volume's important. And if, if you are a follower of Market Mondays, we talked about volume and we talked about the trades that are happening, but who's actually investing in the different emotional yeah. and retail investing. And so when you see those those levels of volumes, and sometimes you get inside, especially in the option space, you get inside a trade and there's no volume, there's no movement. You're like, yeah. well, why am I in this trade? Well, that's something you should look at prior to going to it. Yeah. Who's investing in it and what is the volume amount on a daily basis if you're, mm -hmm. if you're trading or if you're you know, you're doing shirts on clothes, like look at the volume because that will dictate if there's going to be movement. Yeah. And I, I talked about this this past weekend too, but anyone who is not going to higher time frames first, monthly, weekly, then day, you're making a huge mistake. 
If you're only looking at a five minute or a one minute, even though you can get your trades off, if you don't know what the predominant direction is and what also the predominant buying direction is of those institutions, you're traded. You're like trying to stop a train from moving against your position. So if you don't know what those higher time frames are, you're basically saying I'm better. I'm smarter than BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard, and where they get in does not matter. You have to follow what the market movers and market makers are doing. And on the future side, if you look at that commitment of traders report, it'll give you a insight of if we're buying or selling. So like last week, uh, the COT, the balance of futures were negative. So people were shorting a lot more than they were actually buying because we haven't got to a great level to buy. The asymmetric risk is not there. So there have been a lot more shorts. And August usually is a more volatile month or a month mm -hmm. we end up losing. So there's not a lot of net positive uh, futures trades that are being active in the market right now. They'll probably come back September. So these are some of the things I'll be talking about with Dan and Kathy and they'll confirm it. But and I also want to break down some charts with them to see like where do they think Bitcoin would go, Ethereum. Um, we'll look at look at the ES mini NASDAQ as well. And then you can kind of glean some of their insights for how they trade as well. Yeah. I somebody had spoken to me about um the market and they were like, Well, is it a good time for NVIDIA? You guys are always talking about NVIDIA and it's pulled back, it's pulled back. I think the most important thing that people need to realize is that stocks go down <laughs> every day, every week, every month. Stocks go down, right? Like, yeah, it was up 220%. Currently, it's at 177% on the year. It's up 177% on the year. Uh -huh. Stocks do come down. They do correct themselves, right? This is a natural part of it. Uh -huh. That's why I think it's important that if you're in the space, if you're in investing you need to experience these things it's important that you experience these things so you can understand what it feels like during the the peaks and you need to understand what it feels like when it has some of these lows yeah it's all part of it but if you're invested you're experiencing that right stocks do go down please mm -hmm. be patient long-term investing speaking of stocks coming down carl icon is fighting for his life I didn't put him on the list, but he could have been on the list. He could have been on the list, but it goes back to some of the things we talked about of like too much hubris, too much ego, um, not throwing rocks from the uh, uh, rocks from the throne. Like Carl got a little bit too pompous after the the Apple institutional move that he made, and I think he let his guard down. And that fund has not performed as well as it should. And then once you know the short sellers got their hands on it. It started to destroy his portfolio if carl was a little bit nicer and even though buffett is a shark behind the scenes there's a reason why he does that grandpa i'm nicer than everyone i drive the same car since 1993 and live in the same house that's not his primary house but it sounds good um there's a reason he has a disposition in public because it's a lot harder to raise capital if you're deemed to be a jerk or an asshole and, and you're um cantankerous all the time so those are some things as an investor you have to learn to stay away from that I've had to learn as well um, because you can turn off your audience by doing those, some, some of those things. Cantankerous. Truculent. I'm ready. I'm wow. telling you, we're we going to put on a show, like a show show. When, when everyone leaves, I want them to be like, yeah, I got the best investing talk from Ian. That's a good word. Like, yeah. I got to give you points for that word. That was good. So, um, yeah, I was watching CNBC and they was talking about how they was tired of hearing about moving averages. 
Mm-hmm. Hell, an average is really irrelevant. What person made this statement? I was listening to the audio. Uh, audio? Yeah. I mean, it's not the best way to get in. Um, it's a mathematical calculation. So let's say if you have like a stock that's at 100, the bottom is 10. It'll get you somewhere in around like 55 or 60. I like to get in at the edges. Um, another tip you guys can write down, you can write out a support box and a resistance box. So from zero up to 20%, that is your support box. From the top of the market, minus 20 is your resistance and those will be the only areas that I will look to. So support box, I will look to go long. A resistance box, I will look to, sh- to short and stay out of the middle. The reason why like most really good investors don't love moving averages is because they end up giving you less returns opposed if you bought at a rock bottom price. But for most people who just want to be able to get in and get out quickly, it is a good way, but it's not always the best way. All right. Um, okay. So... What is the bubble that no one is talking about and how can we profit from it? Oh my God, I'm excited for this. Listen, it's the American bubble of everything. Can I run off some stats real quick? Mike, clip this up. Um, we're at a record 17.1 trillion in household debt. Number two, we have $12 trillion in mortgages. We have uh, a record of $1.6 trillion in auto loans, $1.6 trillion in student loans, $1 trillion in credit card debt. The total debt now is more than it was in 2006 before the crash. Um, the leading uh, economic index is in a recession territory, uh, is in a recession territory as indicated for, from this past week. The Nikkei 225, which is Japan's stock market, is doing better than the S&P 500. That's not a good sign. And when normally when we're in inflationary periods, uh, like we are now, four out of seven times it means we are headed to a recession and a default cycle has started so what that means for those of you who are listening listening there's a bubble of everything happening right now tech ai housing credit card debt at scale if you're looking at indicators that tells you what's happening in the market we're maxed out in every area with no great leadership how can we make money from it um I propose that you would go long on the VIX future or go long on the VIX around 961 and I would exit at 2426. If the NASDAQ goes back up 20%, if they do announce that we are in a recession or stop saying that we're going to be in a soft landing, because the other three times we said that we were going to be in a soft landing, the landing wasn't soft. I was short, if we get to maybe 18,000 down to 13,781.56. And I will find a real estate ETF that is not in the top 15 to short. When WeWork comes out and publicly tells you, hey, we probably won't be able to stay in business. Which, for those of you in business, know, in order to admit defeat publicly in your publicly traded company, it's all over. That should not be happening. While credit card debt is at an all-time high. And I'm back here in Houston. Even when I go to New York, I don't see any of those offices, office buildings being full. Um, we are in a bubble of everything and we just need to go back to we need a correction to level out the market to get things back to where they should be and once again i keep saying it there's seven stocks in the united states that is keeping everything afloat out of six thousand most people can't name me another seven that they would bet their kids life on mcdonald's starbucks caterpillar 
Nvidia is great. You got to wait to buy back into Nvidia. AMD is still good. John Deere is good. Gallagher is good. Geico is good. But you can't like th this is one of the weakest markets that I've seen in a long time that has had these many gains over a shorter period of time. Definitely troubling. And when the truth is not willing to be told because of election cycles, um, it could lead to it could lead to disaster. So be prepared. And, and my favorite thing to do, and let's put it in chat. Do you feel more secure in 2023 than you did in 2020? And did you make more money in 2023 versus 2020? I don't want to touch on this scam thing and all that, but all, a lot of those Ponzi's end up getting highlighted right before a recession. Usually two years before a recession hits, a lot of misappropriation of funds issues come out. Because the liquidity is drying up. And when the Fed is saying that we're not going to actively buy anything, that is an effing problem. So, uh, all right, percentage-wise, uh -huh. your thoughts on the chances of a soft landing? Because they are so saying that wages are increasing, which is a good sign. Goldman Sachs just said today that they think that the Fed will stop raising interest rates. In fact, start to decrease interest rates by maybe the first quarter of 24, uh -huh. which is Good sign interest rates are coming down you think there's no chance of a soft landing a soft landing is the equivalent of your girl going through your phone catching you cheating and you say baby that wasn't me that was a virtual assistant who sent the messages to Brittany Renner so we can lie and say hey we we are upon a soft landing and everything's going to be fine but when you still have weakness in the market at scale um U.S. Steel is going through issues, and the Fed keeps saying that they're not going to continue to raise inflation. But if you ask most people, do they feel it? They're feeling it. And when they told you prior, we need to raise rates to a certain level, they told us last year. They may halt how fast they do it, but at some point, I think those mortgages are going to get back to 7.5%. Yeah. Those are just my thoughts. Yeah, we, we spoke yeah. to Mike Novogratz about the AI bubble. What did he say? Can you give us a little insight? Yeah, he said it was definitely going to be a bubble. He said that uh, it usually happens. Uh, it's a delayed reaction from the stock market and the actual bubble happening. Mm -hmm. At the start of this, he was like, you know, last year, all of the guys in tech, they were saying like NVIDIA and Microsoft, those are the two companies. So like those are the two companies that's going to benefit the most from the situation. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that he still thinks that there's still room for NVIDIA and Microsoft to go up. To grow, yeah. Because it's just not really a lot of other places to park money. But so it's definitely going to be a bubble, an AI bubble that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and the stock market will follow suit. The bubble will happen first, and then the stock market will reflect it later, as opposed to the stock market reflecting it first and then, like, you know, Company starting to just disappear out of out of the woodwork. So, but yeah. well, he felt that it was a, it was an AI bubble for sure. He said there's definitely an AI bubble that's about to pop soon. I'm hearing some rumblings that even open AI they're spending a little too much on the bots, and because AI was created to remove mundane tasks, and when there's a, a lot of Decisions to use the AI around creativity. Like, I think Mid Journey is great, 
But the most pressing problem isn't like, can I get a digital version of me that looks like I came out of Fortnite? That's not going to fix a GDP problem. So um, is there going to be an AI bubble? I, I believe we're already there. And anytime, like, let's go back to when LeBron was facing Denver. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a key part of that, though. Ian. Go ahead. You said, we, I mean, we're only five months into this. So the bubble still has chances. Oh, still for me. Yeah. I, eight months ago, this wasn't the, the conversation. And so, and there's one of the things that you, you learn inside this is that there's money to be made. You just have to know when to take profit and when to leave before the bubble. Yeah. Or invest in the companies that are going to be able to withstand the bubble. But we, once again, we have a major VC problem. The crypto funds blew up because they and everyone who's a crypto fan, I'm not on crypto, but they mismanaged the funds and how they promoted crypto. As soon as that powder keg exploded, they took all that money and did and moved to AI and they're going to cause the same contagion issue there. And then they're going to find another project to go to. All of a sudden, even if you look at Netflix while we're there on this writer's strike, they're going to Korea to find ways to fill gaps in the entertainment climate. So at some point, American VCs are going to leave here and go internationally to find companies to fund, which is one of our issues of not taking care of our own people and our own talent. Even if you look at Taiwan Semiconductor, do most people know that the only reason he wants to go form that company is because he cannot get elevated to CEO of Texas Instruments? What a fucking disaster. It's like when James Harden left Oklahoma City. Was it really worth losing him over that extra six million for them him? For them, him to then become a star in the Houston Rockets. So one of the greatest developments in the last 40 years, one of the greatest companies is not even here because they didn't want to make him CEO. All the inventions and ideas and properties and products that he created for them, he wanted to keep here. Didn't let him. Meanwhile, we're building India's middle class at a scale I've never seen for a country. But they'll tell black people there's no money available for you. They'll tell brown people, there's no money available for you. And all the conversation is about when that guy got hit with that chair, like he was Hulk Hogan. We have some major corrections to do in our country in order to make, because my guy Ruben even asked me, he was like, what can we do to avoid a crash? I'm like, we need to make better companies. Point blank. That, and that's the other reason, even when I tell people don't copy me or don't copy you guys, it's like, if you copy me, you only raise my valuation. It doesn't raise the valuation of the space. Create your own version. And if we have diversity in products and companies, then great. The, the overall GDP can be moved, but that isn't being done. But the unfortunate part on the VC and angel side, they are funding a lot of copycats. We see it in the music industry. Everyone sounds like each other. Every app that comes out is a recreation of another. We need more innovation, but the innovation has to be funded. All right. Um, Let me ask y'all this, though. Speaking of investing, I know Yo Gotti had all them houses. Y'all did an amazing <laughs> job in the interview. And uh, I got to privately tell y'all, thank y'all for y'all resolve of being patient when things didn't go right initially. Alex is like, Phew. so I have to ask you, what were the two biggest lessons? Have to be professionals at all times. Um, what were the two biggest lessons you took away from the interview with him? Uh... The first lesson, and I didn't, I mean, I follow Yo Gotti. I haven't followed him as closely as, as other artists. Yeah. Um, I'm meeting him and sitting down and listening to him talk. Um, the first thing was his ego. 
he he's it almost feels like he he could be egoless. Um, and I speak from the standpoint of him being an artist, being a star, but also allowing. And I asked him this question, also allowing his artists and his talent to be bigger stars than him at any given time, yeah. whether that's Money Bag Yo when he's having his moments, and I know he's on tour now, or whether it's Glorilla and she's having the top song in the country. He kind of goes in the background and just lets it shine. And that was, that's not something that we grew up watching, right? We, we come from the era of like, you know, if you're the CEO, if you're the head of the, the label, you're in front, you're in front of the camera. Yeah. And he's kind of like, who would not be in that? Now, even when he talks, and he, he uses the word we. And when I listen to the album, like you hear him talk about it more, but it was like, it's never about him. It really isn't. Like, he wants to make sure that CMG is put to the forefront. He, when he had the opportunity to be on the cover of the Billboard magazine, and they just wanted him on the cover. He said, there's absolutely no way I'm doing this cover without my artist. How many people would be able to do that at the level of stars? I mean, he's a star in hip hop, like, but a global star now, like he's doing shows internationally, but how many people would do that at that level? Not many. Which speaks a lot about him. The other part was his level of communication. He talked about how, you know, he lets the artist, they, they may have the final say on their projects and he might just give his advice even when they step out of bounds, he never talks to them in public about it. That was a great lesson. He never talks to them about it in public. He, he pulls them to the side. He calls them after just to say, hey, you know we could have this better. Hey, here's my advice on this. And so you, as you think about even some of the characters he's had on the label. <laughs> Black Hunter, and I'm just thinking like, God, he, how many calls did he have to make? <laughs> like, how many calls is he going to have to mm -hmm. make? But you can tell like he's talking to these guys behind the scenes it's bigger than like what you're seeing in the forefront and what you're seeing on social media and on youtube he's having real relationships with his artists and he wants to build and create community and family and so like when you see him and you see the artists from cmg i think that's what comes across is that they have his support but it's also a family because he's looking at each one of them as not just a record label but each one of them is their own individual business and so each one of them has their own individual strategy but that doesn't work unless you have open communication. I, I think that's one of his strengths. And so that, that those are the two of the biggest things that I, I saw from him. Yeah. Sean, what about you? Yeah, I think I, uh, you know, his, his just ability to be a sponge. He, uh, you know, soaks up a lot of information. And he, he's telling us that's how he invested in FaZe Clan. And that's how he got into the deal with uh, DC United. Mm -hmm. It's um, just, you know, being at the right place at the right time, but also being willing to to learn and open to conversations like you know even when michael rubin walked in the conversation like that's relationship that he has so i think sometimes um you can be in the right place at the right time and still not have the right mind like, mm. you, know, like you got to be able to actually be humble enough to listen and you know soak the information up make the relationships follow up because that the dc united deal actually came from him wanting to buy the Memphis Grizzlies, well, wanting to be a, a owner, a part owner in the Memphis Grizzlies, um, like years prior to that, and it didn't work out. But he kept the relationship with the guys, and that's how you know the DC United thing came, came to him. So, yeah, I think that that's something that was extremely important. You know, it's just you know not like just a regular rapper, like just like with a big ego and like running around and like you know kind of like full of himself. Like you know, he's telling like he's listening, like All right, what's going on. What's the play? Like, you know, how you get involved? How, how does this work? Like, you know, how can I how can I fit in? So mm -hmm. that's that's extremely important um part of success is just to actually 
be willing to, you know, soak up the information and, and establish those relationships and work. Yeah, speaking of work, even that that part when he mentioned um he got inspired by Birdman and Wayne just seeing they were in the office every day, treating it like a job like that. And I know it's a small lesson that people take for granted, but he makes a good point. If someone is doing significantly better than you and they're consistently working on their craft every day, how can you afford to take days off? It's not just about the money. A lot of times it's about the passion behind it too. Um, but I thought that interview was like very powerful to like, because it felt like he was giving an honest take. Sometimes I feel like artists may have like a predetermined script of what they want to say. I feel he was speaking very candid. Um, so it's been amazing to see his growth. And um, even artists of his class have not managed artists as well as he has. So it's been amazing to see his growth. Yeah, he had some stuff he wanted to get off his chest, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why he wasn't on that list, which is dope too. It means, he, you know, he's tapped in. And if he's not somebody around him tapped in, in fact, when we finished the interview, he was like, yo, my little cousin watches y'all all the time. Like, they were telling that's me, that's, that's dope. You got to rock with these guys. So that's dope to hear. Like, you, that's why I said you never know where the impact goes and, and the lengths it can reach. Like, it's right at his doorstep because his family's watching. And so he was interested in like, hey, what's this event y'all got going on in Atlanta? I got to know about this. I need to know about this, which was, mm -hmm. which was awesome. Yeah, so. Yeah, he asked about investors specifically. He's like, you know, my little cousin told me I'll be throwing these events and da da da. da. So, you know, showed him the video of InvestFest. He was very interested in learning, learning about it, and you know, mm -hmm. was impressed when we showed him the video. So, once again, you know, it's just gotta be aware of what's going on and, and be able to ask questions. Like, you know, he could have just been aware of it and not asked the question, but you yeah, know, he's like, all right, they there right now. I heard about it. I heard about InvestFest. I might as well just ask him about it. You know, yeah. So that is something that, you know, everybody wouldn't have done. Some people would have heard about it, but still just did the interview and left. Yeah. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, that he was actually interested enough to, to, you know, and he, like you said, that's how he invested in faith. He met them and he saw this setup and he was just like, what's going on here? Like, you know, they got further information on it. So that was definitely something that, you know, took away from him was his ability to learn. Yeah. I mean, you, you also had a very eventful weekend. Uh, we, saw you, we saw you with the legend himself, Steph yeah. Curry. Well, what were two things that you took away from being in that environment with, with somebody of that prowess? Um, number one, we actually are seeing generational wealth in real time with him. Like, so the reverence that he has for his family and his dad, you guys met him. He's very, like, down to earth, very humble. And you can see that that's rooted in that family. But just even talking about, like, how his dad trained him and talked to him about money early because of some of the fallouts that other players in the NBA had that may have went bankrupt. So it was really interesting to see how early his dad started planning with him around uh, finances, literacy around investing, and of course, uh, dedication to craft. And I talked about it earlier, but like, you know, when you ask someone a question and they're giving it to you straight and it's like the simplest answers are usually the best. They're the hardest to implement. And I was like, like, what's your routine? Because Xander's like wants to know like oh, how to get to the NBA. And I was like, bro, what's your routine? He's like, I haven't missed a day in nine years. He said it so succinctly and so matter of fact. And you can tell he hadn't missed no days. Whatever his routine is for conditioning, ball handling, shooting, rest. I can tell it's in a system. So when I'll ask people about trading, what's your stop loss? What's your entry? How do you get in? What instruments do you trade? 
How do you mitigate risk? What do you do if we're in an extremely bit bullish market and there are limit ups in the market? What do you do if we're dropping fast and we have a limit down? The answer should be like this. I see what y'all doing with the, the uh, dual episode. Joe, you're going to start uploading five days a week. <laughs> I see it. And I'll ask you, like, what do y'all do? Like, just get up and work. No matter what, don't miss any shows. Put time into the craft and learn, get better every day. Um, so just seeing him and how humble he was, how dedicated he is to the craft, but seeing like how he's passing these lessons on to his children now um, has been absolutely amazing. I know you can't give away the secret, but I got to ask. Hmm. How y'all get all these guests to invest us, bro? Y'all got 900 people, and then I'm sure LeBron going to come at the last minute. <laughs> but <laughs> like, what is the blueprint bro. for um, getting guests to be a part of these events? Like, if you don't want to tell, you don't have to. But even when I saw the CJ McCollum thing, which I was excited about, because I don't think people realize how great of an investor he is. They don't. Um, I, it prompted me, like, what are you doing actively to get these? And I know, so, and explain how long it takes for some of these relationships to come through. Like, even a Swiss thing on, on Revolt, that was a work for two years. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, yeah. relationship, it's, it's all relationships, honestly. Like, um, that's the secret behind this whole situation. I feel like some sometimes it takes years it's like you know it's like a garden some some fruits and some some crops take years to actually you know come to fruition and some take a couple of months or a day yeah. so you know you might meet somebody in the club and then you know it's an instant relationship right away or you might have to you know work with somebody for you know a couple of years to actually have a relationship with them but it's 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 all um a domino effect off of relationships like you know from meeting one person then connecting with another person and then connecting with another person and then of course you know them seeing enough value in it to actually want to do it that's always beneficial as well so it's like the law of inertia like once you get hot you know you just gotta keep the ball rolling pour gasoline on the fire and then you know that's you just hot. you just attract more energy but mm -hmm. yeah it's all personal relationships you know we've we've been able to develop a pretty much relationships with everybody we at least one degree from everybody so we can we can call for anybody at this point in time not to say that we can, we can get anybody we can we know at least a person that mm -hmm. has a relationship with somebody so you know diddy that took that took a few years to, wow. cultivate, to cultivate that relationship but by the time we got it you know we booked them on just a text personal text that was it it wasn't through a, a pr firm it wasn't through a manager it wasn't through you know a booking agency it was just a voice note and then two minutes later he responded and, and that 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 was done robert smith you know a person that we got introduced to through steve harvey steve harvey a person that we got introduced to to the beauty um to be through, through nicole, nicole. So, yeah. domino effect domino effect there um you know somebody like rich paul uh you know building that relationship with a lot of people on in la mm -hmm. uh from, on on the uta side and Spring Hill team. Spring Hill and and, yeah. and it's just you know a matter of time when we first had the first Zoom call with him and the Zoom call was actually just like an introduction. We was doing an episode and we spoke about you know a variety of other things that wasn't even planned on that conversation. And then you know we just another thing is you got to be in the right places at the right time too. Mm -hmm. So you know we go to a lot of different places. We go to the NBA All Star Game. Mm -hmm. We go to the Super Bowl. We go to f1 and you know all these different places these are these this is where the people actually are so now that's not know, part of your dm you got a team in person <laughs> yeah so now it's like you know you 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 can actually 
see somebody physically is one thing to just, you know, shoot them an email, shoot them a text. But when you actually get to see somebody, it makes it a more, you know, relatable situation where it's like, okay, yeah, yeah nah, I know this person, you know, we have a conversation, we might have a, you know, a drink or two, eat. And now you develop a, a real relationship. So pretty much 90% of the people that, that are on InvestFest are all through personal relationships. Like I said, we don't really go through like booking agencies or managers too much. It's just yeah. more so like, you know, you know this person or meet this person directly or, you know, sometimes just DM a person or, you know, different things like that. And one person like Lala Anthony that comes through Terrence J. Mm -hmm. That's his, that's oh, his mm -hmm. personal friend. Um, and he thought that, you know, she would be a good fit for InvestFest, reached out to her. She was interested in coming. So that was a relationship that, you know, he made and and then you know so it's just it's yeah. one of those situations it's, it's like i said it's no set science it's no yeah. set science behind it but once again it just goes back to relationships something that we talk about all the time mm -hmm. always talk about how to build relationships and the art of building relationships how to cultivate relationships different things of that nature um and that's how we was able to get all of these people a lot of people but yeah it's just um <laughs> You know, and then of course a platform that we have is is, is tremendous. Yeah, get, get value. Doesn't hurt. Yeah, from yeah. you know this show, we've met people on, from doing this show. Earn your leisure, of course, because that's a guest every single week. Yeah. Um, assets over liabilities, very useful tool. We, we've been able to establish relationships with people from that show, or further strengthen relationships that we already have mm -hmm. from that show. Um. So yeah, that's that's beneficial. Having a a, a show where you interview people is always a good way to kind of establish relationships so yeah that's yeah. really this that's that's the deal that's the blueprint work. yeah it, it it i mean we say that all the time like you got it when you get in the space you got to make sure that you're adding value and so even if it doesn't happen in that moment just be patient never take it personal and keep going like you said the, you brought up the swiss situation mm -hmm. that was over two years in the making two years in the making and that really starts and shout out to charlemagne who introduced us to Nicole, who was a talent manager at Black Effect. She was like, look, I know I know his manager, Mo. So shout out to Mo. I got in yeah. contact with Mo. Every time something comes up, yo, if he's interested, we, we have some availability for him. It didn't work out. Never took it personal. Every time there was an opportunity, whether it was MSG, when we, I was like, yo, this would be great. We're going to be in New York. It'd be great. Time it didn't work. You know, one time we were, flew out to California in the hopes of, of sitting down with him and X passed. And so it was like, the time oh, yeah. wasn't great. It was like, all right, well, when the timing does come, we'll be ready. And as you see, uh, for assets over liabilities, we were able to sit down with him, but still keeping a relationship with Mo and then figuring out his other manager. Shout out to Courtney. And Courtney, we recognized him because he was DJ Khaled's manager. And then we knew Lenny S was also managing Khaled. So it was like all these people in the same space. So it's we're one, like it's one phone call of separation. And then that, mm -hmm. from that, Maverick Carter comes because Khaled's there. Oh, we meet Maverick. And now there's a relationship with Maverick. And so we just keep these lines of communication open. Never really ask anybody for anything other than like, if you're available, we'd love to have you come add some value. So most people are like, yeah, of course, I, I want to help. I love what you guys are doing because you you are adding value. Even yeah. if, like you said, the CJ McCullen thing, we met him at the All-Star game. Yeah. We were waiting outside to go into Chris Paul's party. And um, I walked, he walked over and he was like, yo, I love y'all guys. First thing he says, I love y'all guys. Yeah. I'm like, yo, at the time, they had just put out the article that he makes an investment um, every year. He makes a new investment in his portfolio every single year. He doesn't miss yeah. a year of, of adding something to the portfolio. And I was like, we got we to gotta talk to you. Like, we got to sit down. And his response is like, I'm not, I'm not ready yet. I want, I, like, y'all are the big leagues. I got to make sure that I have everything 
in line before I come and sit down with y'all. And I'm like, trust me, bro. You're <laughs> Your ready. Portfolio speaks it's for ourselves. You're, you're ready. And so now to have them at InvestFest is incredible. But that was almost eight months ago, right? Mm-hmm. So everything happens in its own time. It's never going to happen on your time. Well, most times it won't happen on your time, but it'll happen in God's time. So be patient with it. Keep on with uh, levels of communication and be good to people, man. That's the... That's the yeah. part that gets overlooked. Just be good to people. Be a good person. Be good to people. Treat them with respect. Value their time. And most times, more times than not, man, you, you'll see a lineup like like what investors is because we've always carried that with us everywhere we go. It's all about relationships. And yeah. Sometimes people don't fully understand relationships. And you you have to be extremely, you, you have to think bigger than just yourself. Sometimes somebody might look at a relationship and be like, well, I'm not benefiting from this relationship, so mm-hmm. I'm not supporting the relationship. But you might benefit off of the intangibles that come that you don't even realize will come from it. So this is extremely important for people to understand. That's a major part of being in a relationship and building relationships is to make <laughs> relationships happen, to be a bridge, and to be selfish. So Larry Marlow. Morrow. Is a perfect example of that. Why do you keep adding L to his name? <laughs> he um he's a person that has connected us to a few different people, actually. Um, and he's been a bridge to, to Mike Novogratz, he's been a bridge to Sean from spiritual word, um, and a variety of other people where he's never personally benefited from any of those relationships, but it's the intangibles that come down the line that I'm sure he probably will benefit from, but that's not even his purpose of actually making that relationship. So sometimes people don't fully understand things in the moment because they only worry about like, I got to eat off of this right now. If I'm not eating off of this situation right now, then I'm not supporting the situation. But in relationship building one-on-one, you have to find ways to make relationships happen bridge relationships, support relationships that don't benefit you. Mm-hmm. And that takes that takes a lot of um, understanding to, to, to understand that. Because, you know, it's, it's human nature, right? Most people in, in the grand scheme of life, the number one rule in life is, is self-preservation. That's that's what that's what humans. Everybody has to you have to worry about yourself first. So in everybody's core, that's that's their premise of like how does this help me but when you fully elevate from that that's when you can become special but it takes a special it takes a special person to fully understand that all right moving along let's talk about this espn deal with pen mm. um, can you, you want to break it down I know you put up a post about it, but it, some people might not have seen it. I, I think you did it pretty eloquently, my brother. So the, the ESPN deal with, with Penn Gaming, uh, Dave Portnoy is involved. G- give us the parameters of what happened there. Dave Portnoy. Is that how you say his name? I believe so. Yep. Yeah, so um, he's the guy who started Barstool Sports. Um, and they have a media division. They have a podcast network. So Gillian Wallow is under. Uh, so he sold his company a few months back for $550 million to Penn. Mm-hmm. Penn is an online gaming company of sorts. 
Uh, but then Penn struck a deal with ESPN last week, $1.5 billion um, for sports gaming, book of business. But part of the deal was that they couldn't have competition that they own in a non-complete situation. So that made it a conflict of interest for them to own Barstool because that was part of, uh, you know, they had gaming on it, gambling on it. So they had to get rid of their Barstool position. So they sold it back to Dave for $1. Yep. Um, But then that caused them to have $850 million loss on their books, Q3. Mm. Um, they're going to write off, I believe, seven hundred million dollars as a write-off, and um, yeah, this is where we're at. So, Dave, I think he actually sold this company twice, um, but he said this time he will not sell it because part of the deal that Penn struck was that if he does sell it again in the future, they get fifty percent of the sale. If he sells again, but he said that he's um, not planning on selling. So sells his company for five hundred fifty million, buys it back for a dollar, <laughs> and loses eight hundred fifty million, but strikes a deal with ESPN for one point five billion, <laughs> and uh, that's where we're at. Um, kudos to Dave. I, I don't think. Uh he gets enough credit for some of his ingenuity and in that space. Um, as far as the pen and ESPN deal, would it now be called ESPN bet? I keep saying that every business on earth is going to be in the hedge fund business, especially as the market gets tighter, the economy gets tighter. If you are not making people money or helping their lives some way financially, you're going to be in trouble over the next four or five years. I never, like if I came to 20, well, let's say five years ago, and was like, Disney is going to have a betting service attached to it, you would have laughed me out of the room. I think it is a sign and change of direction. And I don't know if it would be a hit or not, um, but I think it's a massive change in direction because a lot of the media properties that we've grown up with and loved are not working. Um, brilliant move by Penn. You can't be mad a day for buying this company back for a dollar. I think he has a non-compete in that space for a few years, um, but he'll find his way to – be able to get back in that field eventually. But I don't know if this is the right move for Disney. I think it can either be a grand slam or a massive strikeout. Um, I wonder if there's some conflict of interest with the talent that they hire, if they are leaning towards a particular team and a sports book ends up leaning that way. Um, so it's going to be interesting from like a regular regulatory standpoint, how this is going to work. Um, I give Disney credit for, for making a move to do something with the ESPN and monetize that fan base, but I don't know if it's going to move the needle for them in the long term. What do you guys think? Uh, I'm with you on that. I, I think it's an interesting time for Disney. Um, and we spoke about it very candidly about some of the mishaps and how they're going to have to try to raise revenue. Sports betting is something, I mean, we've seen it taken off, especially yeah. when uh, more states have allowed it to be done. Uh, and so we've seen it, even from ESPN, a standpoint of, if you watch some of the networks, it'll just be, especially like on Sundays. I think that the timing of the announcement is very important. Yeah, August is training camp. We know football is the biggest thing that gets betted on in this country. Mm-hmm. So they, they want to get this out and roll it out before the football season starts. So that's going to bring a lot of revenue. I think it'd be interesting to watch. There's already sports betting channels 
right? And so now to have ESPN have a piece of it, I'm not sure how they're going to finesse it, where you can maybe do it live uh, from your remote. Like, well, well I, I want to see how it gets rolled out. But yeah. it's interesting. Just three or four years ago, one of the main sources of revenue was from sports betting agencies, right? You remember when DraftKings was the commercial yeah. every two commercials on ESPN. And so they lose that standpoint of getting revenue from then. And then you saw them on the floors of the NBA. And so that's a product that's played on ESPN and Disney. And so they're going to might lose revenue from that. So it'll, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, I, I, I want to see how it's rolled out. I know there'll be programming like as there is already every time there's a game or, and especially during the basketball season now and, and baseball is heading toward the playoffs interested to see what kind of programming and who will be the talent that heads that programming mm -hmm. and how effective it's going to be. The other side of it is I want to see what it does for companies like DraftKings and MGM uh, and Flutter. And when I say Flutter, most people have no idea, but Flutter is the company that actually owns FanDuel. Yeah. So I know, I know FanDuel is something that's used widely across our country for sure um, from all ages. And so I want to see how they combat in that, space where they now have live sports embedding together um rather than having to go to another platform to do it um and, and bet the thing that doesn't work in espn's advantage i from my perspective is that most people don't watch espn on their phone yep it's still a still a linear thing right you're, you're yeah. watching the channel it's not like the first thing when i want to watch espn is i'm going to go to espn tv on my phone and so most people, when they do sports betting, they do do it on their phone. They don't yeah. do it on from a linear thing. So I, that'll be something they have to work out. Um, and I, I'm sure, I mean, they, they're already thinking about it because they want to make the move. But I want to see how they, they adapt that to making more ESPN users now go to their mobile devices, which is a problem that they've had, especially when they lose ad dollars yeah. from having it on linear TV. Rashad, what you think? Yeah, I think... Uh... From the ESPN standpoint, you know, you got to try to diversify your portfolio. So sports betting, I mean, obviously everybody's getting in sports betting now. I mean, mm -hmm. professional, professional sports leagues are actually trying to embrace sports betting. Uh, so, you know, I think it's like, you know, marijuana at this point, you can't really run from it. You just got to kind of embrace it and see how you can make money from it. So it would make sense that if ESPN considers themselves the leader in sports, I think that's their tagline. Mm -hmm that they would, you know, want to be positioned to be the leader in sports betting as well. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I see uh I see a world where, you know, everything kind of ties in. Even at, at some of their resorts, they might have, you know, places to bet um at, at their resorts that they own. Maybe not yeah. like Disneyland per se, but there's a lot of different Disney owned locations. Uh that could be more friendly towards gaming, mm -hmm. uh, gambling. So I think you, yeah, I could see that Disney World. Like alcohol was something that was frowned upon for years That's at true. Disney World. And now look at al alcohol is, is permitted in the parks. And so what's the stop at ESPN Zone that has a sports betting book? I mean, well, Disneyland for sure. So Disneyland in California, you're saying? Or I'm just saying Disney World. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Disney World yeah. is a little bit more geared towards kids, but Disneyland is more geared towards adults, I think. Yeah. Um, so I think that places like Disneyland, yeah, maybe Disney World, um, and different Disney retreats mm -hmm. all, all across the world and different things at that location, like, you know, people, they have set up for you to, to gamble. Cruise ships. 
Yeah, cruise ships for sure. Uh, so, you know, it'll be interesting, but I think that um, they're in position to benefit from it for sure. So and I think they just have to pull up, fully roll out the infrastructure properly, but they're definitely in position to benefit from it. They have, the, they have all of the tools needed to make money. DraftKings and MGM. And if I would have got that news when I woke up, I would have been upset. That's so what about everybody? We gotta put let's, put, let's put Caesars in there too. Because they're Good not point. excluded. They're not excluded from this. You never know. One day, one of the biggest platforms may wake up and decide to be a competition. You have to always worry about that. And I, sometimes I was listening to an um, interview with Gilman Fertitta, who owns the Rockets. He has a, a good quote about like always being somewhat paranoid. And the moment that you stop looking behind your back to see who's coming for you, that's when people make a lot of mistakes. Um, I think DraftKings had a great moment into the pandemic, but I'm sure they tried to do a partnership but, and it didn't work. But this is a classic case of a bigger brand not doing well and copying from a little a smaller brand or a smaller entity. And we see that in music all the time. Like the artists would be hot and then they'll take someone up who's lo local or up and coming and they'll take their style and infuse it into theirs. Um, I don't know if this is going to be the biggest move for Disney, but I do commend them for trying to do something. But MGM, yeah. Caesars, DraftKings, they're definitely going to be in trouble. Yeah, it saves on the advertising for sure. That was one of the things with DraftKings. It was like they spent so much, much money on advertising that it was tough to make a profit when you don't have all 50 states or you don't even have half the states that are having yeah. legal sports betting. And so one of the things that they decided to do was cut back on the spending and cut back on the advertising and let the product be. So yeah, Disney, Disney has so much space that they can put advertising on that it becomes a natural fit for Penn. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. So UPS says drivers to make 170000 in pay and benefits following the union deal. I think it was really interesting after all that fighting. Um, UPS magically came out of nowhere and said, hey, here's a spare $30 billion. We didn't know we had it in our pocket. I went in my drawer and lo and behold, uh, I pulled some money out of reserves to be able to make available and i keep saying it but if we revolt and i know the writers are going through a strike but if we put pressure on companies and what's happened in a matter of a couple of weeks like imagine if us as investors we demanded more change more impact in our community more investment into our, our community and if they didn't give it for the next four or five months we boycott it what could we have happen um kudos to everyone who's working at ups a lot of this is very strategic. Teams just got involved, so they made it happen. So now this is one of the more higher-paid jobs. I'm going to be really interested to see if the same kind of pressure will be able to be able to be put on McDonald's and Starbucks as a result. Um, I don't think the wages, of course, will be as high, but they've been fighting that $15 minimum um, and a $25 minimum for a long time. This is a definitely a win for the people who work there. But as inflation is going up and cost of living is going up, wages are going to have to be adjusted. Um, and I'm really interested to see if Amazon workers will get better pay as a result. I think the answer will be no. But <laughs> I'm interested to see over time how this will affect uh, many other businesses. I still don't like the stock long term, but I think it's, it's a win for everyone who's working there to get this pay. Yeah, and what it, the, what it does when you make headlines like that, it's one of the best, biggest union deals that we've seen um it attracts more people to come work for the company yep right when you hear that after you know in the next five years you can earn up to one hundred seventy thousand. 
That's pretty enticing. In a time um, when not many are hiring or paying too well. Exactly. Exactly. So great great way to to, to settle it, but have positive uh propaganda being spread. Right. Yeah. Like who's paying like us? Right. The other part is like what you said, what does it do for other labor's unions? Right. Now that that this is the precedent, what are you gonna do to match it? Or are you even willing to match it or come close to it? So yeah. Interesting time. Well played. Yeah, well played. And not that I don't like the stock. It, it, I wouldn't put it in the top 10. If you, if I had to buy it, I'll wait to maybe 128 or 131.21, somewhere around the area. Um, but yeah, it's very enticing at this time, as we're going through a economic collapse, to say, hey, you'll get paid more. And if you stay here five years, you could be almost making 200000 It's going to put pressure on a lot of other companies as a result. Sure. And if you want to learn how to get paid at the highest level and hear a high-level conversation, please get your tickets to InvestFest. It's next yeah. week. Negro, please. You it's work next. for UPS. Next uh -huh. week. UPS is hiring. Hey. Don't be, yo, don't be mad. UPS is hiring. It's, now it's like a thing. That's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. Back. yeah. So before we leave, some social commentary. Um, should you discuss money with your friends? We had this conversation with it's a great Jordan conversation. With, uh last week's episode of assets over liabilities and, and uh, got a lot of traction on social media people you know have different commentary on it she she had she has her views on it uh so should you discuss money with your friends um i think you should know which friends you can have those conversations with i don't think you can have them with all um because sometimes Resentment creeps in, entitlement may creep in. And a lot of times if we're doing it for quote unquote motivational purposes only, if a person doesn't have it and you're not going to give it to them, it can produce some feelings that they didn't even know that they had. Um, I remember one time, this is maybe two years ago. Um, so historically, like I have a everyday car and then I have something else that I drive. Um, and it, one time we went to dinner. And I didn't bring the everyday car. It was a my everyday car was like a Mazda. So everybody was cool when I pick up in the Mazda. Like, oh, you so humble down to earth. Cool. I can't believe you still driving this. Da, da, da. Right. I bring out the other car. And this is one of my guys. And I get out and he look at me like, oh, I didn't even know you had this. But you know when it's a yo, I know you had this and you weren't happy. I was like, I fucked up. Like I should have just take the everyday car out and strip it down. And in those moments, and I know he loves me, but I could see it in his face. The feeling that he had for me was not one of joy. Um, and I wouldn't say this is one of my best friends, but like, this is somebody I'm like really cool with. And I've learned like, and we've had these conversations. There's only certain people you can have some of these higher income conversations with, because not everyone's going to be happy for you. A good lesson for me is if a person that makes more money than me or we're in the same income bracket within two or three percent, I'll have it. If there's a gap or disparity, I won't have the conversation at all. It's too much of a risk. I don't believe in holding back on information or not sharing because I saw that a lot in the comments as well. But to say I made this on this particular deal or I think it's a recipe for disaster. Feel you. I think we're in a unique position um, because we're friends, we're brothers, but we we're in business together. So I feel like 
I mean, we have to talk about money. We have to. <laughs> it's not it's going well. Yeah, it, I mean, even on the personal side, it, you know, I'll have it, like I'll have conversations, and I just had one with, with MG today. It was like I was explaining him from a tax standpoint. Like we have to talk about money. I'm like, look, this, this is what I paid in taxes last year. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, I, this is some of the things I did last year, but I want to figure out, you know, what's the best way in real estate that I could, you know, help alleviate some of these taxes. So, like, it, like you said, it's about knowing who you're having a conversation yeah. with. I'm not openly saying like, hey. I did this. I made this, but of course, like I mean, I usually the first thing I do is like wake up, thank the Lord, open the bank account. Let's see what's Let's in there. Yeah, we'll see where we at. Gotta check the money because even the banks will take the money from you if you don't check on it. Who's missing? Where is the net now? Mm -hmm. those, those are the things I'm looking at. And so, like once I see something that's off or something that is delayed, I'm hit, I'll hit first thing. I'm like checking with Danielle, like what's going on. Yeah, I'll hit Ab. And then I, the last thing I do is like, yo, here's Shadi, like, yo, here's the update, here's what's going on. So, yeah. I mean, we we always talk about money because yeah. um, it's necessary. And then I obviously I hit Mike because uh, I know he wakes up a little bit later and he's like in the gym in the morning. Yeah. Uh, so I'll wait to hit him about something. But yeah, um, it, it as friends, we do it because we're in business together. So it's a very unique situation, but it's important. Yeah. Shadi, what you think? Hold it close to the chest for what we're doing. <laughs> Even unless you name Troy Small. Well, I grew up with these guys, so yeah. everything is different. I mean, I think it's just common sense. Like, you know, you don't talk about money with every single person for no reason. Yeah. But in this scenario of, you know, trying to work, like the scenario I gave was trying to figure out a deal. Like, you know what I mean? Podcasters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's different. Yeah. You know, provide information with each other in that way that, you know, you'll be better suited to know, like, okay, this person got this much. And I know that I could, you know, reasonably ask for this much. Like, that's something that's reasonable. But how much you get for an ad on your show, like, you know what I mean? If you never share that information, then that's not really that beneficial. So I think that that's something you don't necessarily have to be like best of friends. Yeah. You can have like a, a cordial working relationship to understand like your Dave Shams, how much are you charging an ad for your show? Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think it would be unreasonable for him to tell me. He doesn't have to tell me like how much money he has in his bank account, but you know, there's different money conversations. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I think that it's beneficial to have conversations about money when it when it makes sense. As far as like, you know, if you got a, a person that you're doing business with or somebody that's in your in your same peer group or same industry, mm -hmm. industry conversation is very important. I think that's Absolutely. more like outside of like, yeah, it's just common sense. Most of the time, you're not just going to tell somebody like this is how much money I have in my bank account. This is how much money I made last year randomly. But what problems is like even in corporate it happens a lot in corporate where people don't know how much somebody else is getting paid and that affects your your negotiating skills that affects your ability to actually ask for a raise that is you know you don't know how to gauge if you're getting underpaid or not right so sharing yeah. information and, and and actually knowing what the numbers are are, are beneficial for sure yeah and that's something that you know I think you got to kind of be a little bit more comfortable doing that yeah. because that's something that is, is helpful. It's not like you're just sharing that information just to make you yeah. yeah. like yeah. nosy and, and, and jealous about what you got. So delicate situation. But like I said, I think, you know, you got to use your, your common sense. See, you know, obviously some people it's just, there's, there's no benefit in sharing it. Like if there's no benefit in sharing the information, then what's the point in sharing it? But if there's, yeah. a, if there's a benefit, 
for you or for somebody else and you can see like that's actually you know beneficial then i think that you know it's a different conversation yeah um before we leave they're gonna tell you how much they got in their bank account (laughs) (laughs) zero 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 hold up (laughs) (laughs) thank you Sam Bankman-Free yes. was sent to jail over witness tampering. I, I don't want to comment too much on this, but I will say from a one of the things that I talked about, I think the first year at InvestFest is when I'm looking to invest in a company, I want to look at the character of the founder. Um, Sam is going to be painted out to be a fall guy as he should. I, I thought it was strange that they gave him that sweetheart deal when it came to the bank and finance charge. Um, but I'm not surprised about this. Um, whenever you're looking, an easy way to see if you should invest in a company or person is just to go off their past actions. So I'm not shocked at this, um, but I do think they are intentionally doing some of these things to put a, a stain on the crypto market when there's incredible demand for it. So it's a very layered thing. Um, I think everything that he did was wrong, whatever is going to happen to him. Um, I don't wish it upon him, but it's deserving. But when you're judging or evaluating the company, you need to go look at some of their past transgressions to see what they're capable of, because these things just don't pop up um, out of nowhere or overnight. Yeah. Hold your head. Denied bail by the judge headed to Brooklyn jail. That's tough. That's a tough one. They was calling him Crypto Buffett at one point. $28 billion. Down the drain. Wow. Wow. So let's talk about the earnings before we wrap. Yeah, man. It, it, and we, we spoke about the soft landing. One of those things that we need to see is how the consumers are spending. So it's a big week uh, for a lot of our retail, big retail uh, companies and enterprises. Home Depot will be reporting Tuesday. Okay. Uh, we got Target, Target on Wednesday, TJ Maxx on Wednesday. And then the big one on Thursday is uh, Walmart. So we'll be watching that. And then a few others, Farfetch and Ross will be reporting as well this week. So this is a big time when we want to look at what the consumer is doing uh, from a consumer uh, spending standpoint. Is retail uh, still being hit or are people outside spending their money? So these are the biggest companies. Obviously, we saw Amazon from an e-commerce a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, This is is big week for retail. Ian, would like any of these companies? Walmart, I love long-term. Target, I love long-term. Excuse me. Home Depot, I love. Walmart, I love. Target. You got some other issues that you got to clear up. So you got to clear those. You can't play them kind of games during a recession. Now is not the time to gamble. Like you can try and do your little and one move when you're about 20. You about two. It ain't time for the hot sauce professor combo. Now, I'm sorry. Y'all put out them clothes at the wrong time. You and Budweiser. Budweiser taking a huge hit. Woo. Yeah. Woo. Well, Tough. That's like us coming out with a Klansman cooler. A Klansman Cola. Like, you clearly didn't do no market research on your audience and who was buying. I don't know why your advisors ain't forewarn you, but if you want to be forewarned and know what to do in any market in every sector of business, get your tickets to InvestFest. I'm about to start preparing a masterpiece, so I'm excited. We are days away. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Next week is the week. InvestFest will be invading Atlanta. You know, gotta get that Beyonce mystique. Mm-hmm. Beyonce, that was crazy. I need that feel. Atlanta was the only place I I know she's been a different city, but New York, I didn't see it happening. But in Atlanta, 
every single person that I know in Atlanta was at the concert and posted on social media. I've never crazy. seen, I've ne- I never, I didn't see that in any other place. Um, every person that I follow that lives in Atlanta went to the concert the algorithm did and posted too. and posted their concert experience. Um, so that is actually a very, um, amazing thing yeah. to be able to accomplish to, to, uh, get that much free promotion, mm-hmm. probably hundreds of millions of dollars in, in promo and FOMO created for other people that are watching those people. And, uh, I've never seen anything like that before. Like I said, I've never seen it. And where literally a whole entire city, uh, went to a concert and was so enthusiastic that they were at the concert. Yeah. It's um, a great show. So. And one of the highest grossing tours of all time, right? One of the highest grossings of all time. And the individual show, uh, actually the one I attended at the Meadowlands was the third highest grossing show of all time. I think only George Strait. George Strait. It's crazy because <laughs> most people only know George Strait from his Drake yeah. song. But George Strait has the number one and number two highest grossing shows of all time, meaning that singular night. Yeah. Uh, Beyonce is number three and number four with her two shows at the Meadowlands. Each show grossed $16.5 million. She made $34 million. In two days? In two days. Well, well the, the show grows. You're net, right. But the, the whole, gross. Yeah. yeah. The net, the gross we'll see what the net is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, her t- it's her personal highest grossing tour. Definitely 500 million over 500 million. With um, that was with so it's 500 million currently, and it's still like 23 shows to go. So yeah, it's 23 shows to go, but that was only for ticket sales, so that that doesn't in, encompass the merchandising that's being sold at those events as well. So you got to yeah. add that to it. So this could be this could be a Billy, this could be a Billy. That's insane. Yeah, so yeah, Atlanta, be there, we'll be there next week. Um. Or invest fest, and uh, it'll be a variety of different things happening throughout the course of the week. I think Maverick Carter, mm-hmm. they're doing something. On um, Friday. Friday, yep. The shop, the shop, the shop, the shop will be coming to Atlanta, uh, right before VIP night. Yep. So that's gonna yeah, be a bunch of people, in the, yeah, yeah. So they're gonna be doing that on Friday, and then invest fest all weekend. And then, oh, can we say something really quick because everybody saw the lineup that's gonna be there. That does there's so many other people that are just gonna be in attendance. Absolutely. That are not gonna be on stage. Like the level of text messages and like there's gonna be a lot of people there. The amount of people that are gonna be there that you're gonna be like, wait, he, he, she's here? Mm-hmm. Wait, they're here? Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. I need I need the 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 camera that just spans the crowd to start showing the people who's in the building. It's gonna it's gonna be an event. Yeah, for sure. For sure event that you can't afford to miss um so definitely shout out to joe button network <laughs> uh, yeah shout out to my guy ish mel will be there joey will be in the building so you're gonna come on sunday he says sunday yeah yeah so, i think the draft is over it's saturday right? come. <laughs> sunday we will yeah. be looking for joe we will have the joe joe button camp where is joe button camp? Where, where is joe, joe button love it if you spot joe button get a lifetime subscription (laughs) (laughs) for the patreon Corey, i know he's gonna be in the building ish yeah yeah Uh, but now everybody gonna be there man so it's just gonna be one of those vibes man davos in the south that's what they're calling it davos in the south chocolate davos Davos. (laughs) i got a lot of conferences out this year i ain't even gonna lie 
<laughs> Boy, y'all just clean salt conference up. Shout out to them. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, and if a couple of them other calls Kayla put in would have came through. Boy, oh yeah, yeah. Well, Boy. It's always next year. Next year, there is it's always next year. You there gotta is. save some people. You gotta save somebody for next year. Yeah, that's true. Oh, oh we working that on that left. too. No, 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 we working on that already. Okay, so, okay, we'll talk about that another time. God did. <laughs> God did. <laughs> we got, we got twenty percent of the, of the black billionaires in America. Mm. God did. There's only ten of them. We got two this year. We had one last year. We had two last year. So we 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 almost yeah. at forty. We got almost fifty percent of all the black billionaires that come to invest fest. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty impressive stat. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's been real. Check out assets over liabilities tonight. Check out earn your leisure tomorrow. We got the champ, and then check out earn your leisure again on Friday. We got a special surprise drop. Mm-hmm. We we will be being interviewed. A lot of game. A lot of games. Y'all been on a good run too. Well, the run don't appreciate stop. It. Appreciate yeah. it. The run don't stop. Appreciate it. The run never stops, man. Yeah. All right. Lincoln bio, join stock club. Love y'all. If I made you money, please put yes in chat. Um, Red Panda family. I told y'all in Telegram, but when I come out on stage, I need y'all to hold y'all phone up with y'all results. So Auntie Kathy will be forced to do this <laughs> partnership. Because if the same people who invested in the fund trading out the fund and got results, what can you say? A lot of people talk. It's not that many people. They can show up with a thousand people that got results. Let's get to it. And then if Caleb makes that call, we really can go crazy next year. Easy okay. nine billion of the management on accident. Here, y'all just take that little crumb, the crumbs. <laughs> Whole lot of money. That's why I tell people if things don't work out, it takes time. It takes time for some of these things to come together. It's not everything happened in two weeks. Power of relationships. Mm-hmm. The power of relationships. Yep. All right. All right, my brother. All right, y'all. Y'all be good. It's been real. Call each other. See text ya. each other. Spread love. See y'all on the flip side. Shout out to 85 South. Check that out. That yeah, that's going to be fun. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.